Support for this podcast is provided by Paradox, the conversational AI company helping global talent acquisition teams at Unilever, McDonald's and CVS Health get recruiting work done faster. Let's face it, talent acquisition is full of boring administrative tasks that drag the hiring process down and create frustrating experiences for everyone. Paradox's AI assistant, Olivia, is shaking up that paradigm, automating things like applicant screening, interview scheduling, and candidate Q&A, so recruiters can spend more time with people, not software. Curious how Olivia can work for your team? Then visit paradox.ai to learn more. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 393 of the Recruiting Future podcast. For many years, I've been reading about the work UK retailer Timpson does to hire ex-offenders and other marginalised groups. What they do is a win-win-win situation. It's a win for the ex-offenders who get a job. It's a win for society as employment is a crucial part of breaking the re-offending cycle. And it's a win for Timpson as they get access to a large pool of talent. Now, more than ever, employers need to be challenging traditional policies and beliefs to think differently about hiring. With that in mind, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Darren Burns, Timpson's National Recruitment Manager and Head of the Timpson Foundation, to the show. As well as running Timpson's own ex-offender hiring initiatives, Darren also advises other companies looking to do the same thing, and he has some unique experience and advice to share. Hi Darren, and welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Matt. Good to be here. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah, so my name is Darren Burns and I'm the Head of Recruitment for the Timpson Group. Um, I've got a really interesting job. So essentially, um, I look after our ex-offender employment scheme on the Timpson Foundation, um, which provides um, training and employment opportunities for marginalised groups, predominantly ex-offenders, but also military veterans, long-term unemployed people and disabled people. I've got so many questions to ask you about that and the, the work that you do. Let's just start with a, a bit of context for people who, who are listening. So there, there, there'll be people outside the UK listening who may not have heard of Timpson before. Could you just give us a bit of introduction to the company? Of course, yeah. So Timpson, one of the oldest um, businesses in, in the UK. Uh, we were founded back in 1865 by our current chairman, John Timpson's great-great-grandfather, William Timpson. So all those years ago, we had one single store in Oldham Street in Manchester, where we used to manufacture and sell shoes. So obviously, over the years, we've managed to kind of diversify and expand, and we offer lots of kind of niche services now to the public. So the services that we offer the public now are shoe repairs, key cutting, watch repairs, engraving, dry cleaning, photo ID, um, tablet repairs, phone repairs, so again, because we've constantly kind of evolved and diversified, we've been able to maintain our position on the UK high street. Um, over the years, we've had a number of um, quite important acquisitions. So probably the, the most notable and arguably the most important was back in 2003 when we acquired Mr. Minute, um, who were effectively our only UK competitors. Mr. Minute actually still exists in Europe, but not in the UK anymore. Um, we also acquired our photo businesses um, back in 2008, 
um, namely Snappy Snaps and Max Spielman. And they provide photo processing, digital photo gifts, mugs, mouse mats, canvases, photo ID. Um, and in 2014, um, we acquired Johnson's The Cleaners. So we're now the largest dry cleaning business in the UK too. Um, in addition to that, we own a number of pubs and restaurants. We have a chain of barbershops. Um, we've got facilities in China. Um, we've got the largest mobile locksmith business in the UK. Um, so quite a big and diverse business. We employ about 5,500 colleagues. Um, we turn over up seven, eight million pound a week. It's an absolutely fascinating business with a with such an interesting history. Talk us through the foundation and the work that you do. Yeah, so the Timpson Foundation was founded back in two thousand and two by my boss James Timpson. Um, James was invited to a local prison with a number of other business leaders. Um, it was James's first time in a prison. He didn't really know what to expect. Um, James was shown around the prison by a, a serving inmate. A, um, chap called Matt. Um, James was really impressed by Matt. He was very intelligent, very articulate, had a really great personality. So James gave Matt a business card and said, Matt, when you get released, please give me a call and we'll see if we can get you some work. Um, James was good to his word, as was Matt, and we're very pleased to say that he's still with us today and is one of our most successful branch managers. So from that moment on, James kind of realised if there's one really good candidate like Matt in one small prison in the Northwest, surely there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands of people like Matt you just need that opportunity, you just need that second chance. So from that moment forth, we began to proactively recruit ex-offenders into the Timpson business. Uh, very proud to say that we are now um, one of, if not the largest employer of ex-offenders in the UK. And currently about between 10 and 12% of our whole workforce is made up of people who we've either recruited directly from custody or who've come to us and disclosed that they've got an offending background. And that equates roughly to about 650 people. Really interesting stuff. And I suppose that there are, from a business perspective, there are there are a number of reasons why why you do this, aren't there? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, we, this, the, the sort of reasons behind why we employ ex-offenders are split into two main groups of reasons. The first one's being the kind of societal reasons. And we're basically big business, but we've got a big social conscience and it's very much in fitting with our culture of kindness and compassion to offer people that second chance. And we genuinely believe that people do deserve that second chance. It's important to note, Matt, that reoffending costs the UK taxpayer an estimated £18 billion a year. So anything that we can do as a business to kind of break that offending cycle, divert people away from crime and into employment, um, we believe it's got to be a good thing. Um, statistics prove that 61% of prison leavers will reoffend within two years of leaving custody. Um, and that is reduced to as little as 19% if they've got full-time employment. So there's clear evidence there that employment is a key factor to reduce reoffending. It's not the only factor because obviously people first and foremost need somebody somewhere safe to live. They need a support network, friends and family, people to look out for them, care for them, love them. Um, but after that, in- employment is a key factor. Um, for us, it- it's kind of simple. Um, by offering people a second chance and offering them jobs when they get released from prison, um, everybody wins. The offenders win, obviously, because they're not in prison. They're, they're given um, jobs with great opportunities. The families of offenders win because they're not losing loved ones to long prison sentences. The taxpayer wins because the um, £18 billion a year tax burden is reduced. Um, but perhaps more importantly than that, society in general, everybody wins because our communities are safer, fewer crimes are being created, and ultimately, we've, there are fewer victims. 
So we just believe it, it, it makes real sense. And I know that you've been um, doing some, some, some work in some prisons there this week. I mean, to talk us through the, the practicalities of, of your job and how, and how it works. It's really interesting, Matt. So I, I get to meet some absolutely fascinating people and, and, and hear the story. So I think I'm professionally really, really nosy. So I get to ask people lots of questions about obviously why they're in prison and how they find themselves there and just ask them about themselves and, and their lives and their um these people often really open up to me and we're able to make an informed decision at the point of interview. And in most cases, we're offer, able to offer people a, a second chance and a, and a job with us. We've got four main kind of recruitment streams with the Timson Foundation. The first one is a scheme um, that we're a huge fan of. It's a scheme called ROTL or R-O-T-L, um, Release on Temporary Licence. This is effectively where um, we'll establish that we have a recruitment need and um, any location in the UK, it could be Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham, wherever it might be. Um, and because of that recruitment need, I will make contact with a local prison governor and I'd say, hi, I would like to come in and interview 10 men or 10 women um, for some of our local vacancies. Um, we'll go in, we'll interview people, we'll can carry out a kind of dynamic risk assessment at the point of interview. And then the interviews continue as normal from there. And our interviews are really, really informal chats just to get to know people. So we ask lots of big kind of open questions, such as tell me about yourself. So when we've interviewed the, the sort of 10 candidates, um, I will then feed back to the prison governor and I will say, listen, out of these 10 people that I've interviewed today, I think three or four of them have got what it takes to, to be a really good fit for the Timson business. And we'd like to offer them a position on Rottle. The prison governor will then go away. They will draw up what's called a license. And that individual will then be released from prison every day and do a full day's work in one of our high street stores before returning to prison of an evening. And that can continue in the last kind of 12 months to two years of somebody's sentence. So we honestly believe that's um, the most effective and safest way to reintegrate people back into society following a prison sentence. Um, but again, selfishly as a business, um, we get to recruit great people um, and we get to know what makes them tick and we get to build a rapport with them before they come and work with us full time. So it's a real kind of credible stream of recruitment. And again, the, the reason I think it's so successful is because um, often when people are in custody, they, they've kind of lost everything. Um, and if you think about it, releasing somebody back into the community after a long sentence, it can be really kind of challenging and traumatic for them. So by coming out with those on Rottle in a, in a safe and understanding environment um, with an ability to earn money that they can send to the families or they can save so they can put it towards a deposit for a flat or a car, um, it just gives them a real kind of... Um, genuine opportunity to come out and build up slowly so they can have the best chance of um, succeeding upon release. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress 
out of finding workers. In doing this job, which I know you've been doing for a little while now, what surprised you the most and, and what have you what have you learned through the experiences that you've had? Um, I think what surprises me the most is that I get to um, do lots of work with other businesses who are kind of keen to employ um, from this cohort to essentially to employ people with convictions. Um, it's been really good lately because because of the national labour shortages, there are now more and more businesses who are keen to engage with um, those with convictions. But I think prior to that, Matt, I think my biggest surprise is um, how employees will openly admit to discriminating against those with convictions. So I think it's as high as 70% of employers openly admit um, to not giving anybody an opportunity once they disclose they've got conviction. So application forms effectively are torn up and thrown in the bin. So I've always been a bit surprised by that, given that there are so many talented individuals with lots of kind of experience, uh, both personal and professional experience, lots of transferable skills, which would be a huge asset for any employer. Um, but the application forms are just kind of casually tossed into the bin and they're not even considered. So, yeah, I've always been a bit surprised about that. I suppose that brings me nicely on to my next question, which is with with all the skill shortages that uh, are happening all over the world at the moment, many, many employers are struggling to find people to come and come and work for them. And I think one of the the positive things that's come out of this is employers are opening their minds and starting to think differently about where they can find people for their business. You, you mentioned there that you've done some work advising other employers on, on how to access this cohort of workers. What would your advice be to anyone listening who's considering looking into this as a, as a way forward with their talent acquisition? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the first piece of advice that we normally offer to somebody is try and make an appointment to visit your local prison. Um, and I, I know that sounds a bit kind of left field, but um, lots of open prisons now in the UK, both male and female estates, regularly um, have kind of open days. They will welcome employees in to come and meet with the prisoners and talk to them and kind of assess them to see if they're going to be a good fit for their business. Um, but it's it can be really, really handy because I, mean, I, I think generally people kind of build up a picture of offenders as sort of really kind of scary individuals, heavily tattooed thugs, can't string a sentence together, kind of inherently dangerous and dishonest. And it's simply not true. And all these kind of stereotypes are just perpetuated by the media. And as soon as somebody does go into a prison to meet with somebody serving a sentence, um, all of these kind of stereotypes and myths just fall away instantly when they discover that these people are just regular people who have fallen foul of the law and essentially good people can make bad choices and, and find themselves in custody. Um, the other thing that we do, which is really, really useful, is that we introduce them to our colleagues that we've recruited from prison. I mean, we've, we've got some amazing colleagues. I've mentioned before, Matt, we've, we've got in excess of 650 colleagues who've joined us from prison in the Timson business in various roles. Lots of them sort of very professional, very credible, very intelligent, very articulate. And as soon as we introduce our colleagues to these other businesses, straight away, they're thinking, well, we, we'd employ somebody like that in a heartbeat. So, that can be kind of a really useful tool in our box. I think one of the other main stumbling blocks as well for other employers is often the uh, pre-existing kind of HR policy. So I meet lots of employers who will say, well, we'd like to employ ex-offenders, but we can't because um, our HR policy says we can't. Uh, And often these policies were written sort of 20, even 30 years ago in in some cases, um, aren't really relevant and aren't really reflective of, of, of today's society. So we just advise people to change the policy. It's as simple as that. Take the existing policy, tear it up and um, compile a new one. Um, and once that's done and people are able to, to meet people with convictions and find out that they're not all really scary and really dangerous and they've got lots to offer, 
um, it can be really beneficial to their business. One other thing that I find really interesting here is that obviously as an organization, you're, you're thinking very, very differently about the whole recruiting process and how you ascertain who's right for your business and the, and the process that you go through to, to do that. And, and that looks very different to the way that a lot of companies traditionally recruit. What lessons do you think there are in what you do for talent acquisition as a whole in terms of finding the best fit for people and organizations and and thinking differently about recruitment in general i think one of the most important things is kind of focusing on some of the benefits that um, employing gets offenders can bring to a business and something else that you have to bear in mind matt is that there are 11 million people in the uk with a conviction more serious than a driving offense so that's roughly one-sixth of the uk population so to throw that many people on the employment scrap heap and assume that they're worthless, they've got nothing to offer, they're inherently dishonest, they're dangerous, um, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, the, the, the reason we're so successful is that um, we're very, very realistic. We understand that not everybody in prison is, is job ready. Lots of people, unfortunately, in custody have got lots of sort of complex needs and issues surrounding mental health, homelessness, addiction issues, or a combination of all three. And whilst we don't want to consign those people to the scrap heap, Obviously, these people, first and foremost, need help. They need access to abstinence-based recovery. Um, they need to be off drugs and alcohol. They need somewhere safe to live. But once all these boxes have been ticked and all these issues have been addressed, then I- employment I- is the next step. But that being said, there are lots of people who haven't got those issues in prison. And these are the sorts of people that we meet on a regular basis and offer them that opportunity. Um, but again, I mean, kind of anecdotally, the, the, the people that we recruit from prison very, very hard work and very loyal. Um, they stay with us longer than people that we recruit from other streams. So we've got a retention rate with our foundation colleagues or ex-offender colleagues of about 85%. So 85% of these people that we recruit from custody are still with us two years um, after after starting with us. Um, statistically, they're, they're even more honest, which is always a strange one. But um, I get a, a, a security report from our head of security every year. Um, and on, on this report, we've got a list of colleagues, thankfully a fairly small list, but a list of colleagues who've been dismissed for gross misconduct. And in, in our business, that usually means stealing from the till. Um, and I'm pleased to announce that the, the sort of the amount of foundation colleagues or ex-offender colleagues that appear on this list pales into insignificance when compared to colleagues recruited from other streams. And we believe that the reason that ex-offender colleagues are more honest is that they don't want to betray that opportunity, that, that chance we've given them. They realise that their options are limited. Not many employees will, will engage with them and, and kind of seek past the conviction. And because we've been we've seen fit to do that, they don't want to sort of um, betray that trust. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're statistically more honest. It's also safer to recruit people with convictions as well. Um, depending on how many businesses kind of recruit, whether they do DBS checks or enhanced DBS checks, um, if you don't, you're completely um, reliant on somebody being honest with you. So the, sa- the strange quirk of it is, is that everybody we take on from prison, we know everything about them. We know about their offence that they're in for. We know about previous convictions. Whereas somebody who joins us from their street or the job centre, if they haven't ticked that box in their application form that they've got uh, a spe- an unspent conviction, we're not going to know. We're not going to ask. Um, so it, it's interesting to me. We're also able to kind of attract more talent into the Timson business as well. Let's be frank, it's, we're able to attract people who normally wouldn't consider working for Timson, but because they have committed an offence, they found themselves in custody, their options are limited. So again, we're, we're able to, to meet and, and sort of recruit some very, very sort of talented former professionals. Interestingly enough, Matt, I, I always think that it, people who we recruit from prison not only bring a great deal of sort of life experience with them, but kind of a personal resilience as well. 
And for me, anybody who can navigate the way through through a prison sentence and come out the other end still standing, um, anything we can throw at them as an employer working in a thriving retail environment, they're able to deal with easily. And they've kind of built up that personal resilience from getting through a, a, a prison sentence. So one of the other benefits of, of um, employing ex-offenders is that many of them are able to turn their criminal tendencies into entrepreneurship. So an example of that might be that we will employ somebody who's been convicted of dealing drugs. And whilst they used to sort of selling drugs and doing deals for illegal substances, now they're able to kind of channel that into more um, legal sort of avenues. That instead of selling drugs, they're now doing deals with our customers for a half-price set of keys or a half-price shoe repair. So it tends to be a really, really good fit. Final question. What's next? What's your sort of focus for the next year, two years? How are Timpson moving forward with this? We just want to do more of it, Matt. And I, I seem to be spending more and more of my time now um, helping other businesses to set up processes and to see the value and the benefit of, of, of employing ex-offenders. So I think we're going to be doing a lot more of that. One of the other interesting things that we're involved with is um, establishing what's called accelerator prisons. And these prisons essentially have got a, a real focus on employment because what I mentioned before, obviously, employment is a key factor to reduce reoffending. So my boss, James Timpson, is, is working hard on that um, to set up employment boards in various prisons up and down the UK. The idea is that external business people will come in and, and help kind of set up these these boards with a, a big focus on employment so that more men and women in custody um, can leave prison with a job or certainly a prospect of a job. So really excited to be involved with that and we think it's going to be very successful. Darren, thank you very much for talking to me. Very welcome, Matt. My thanks to Darren. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. 